guys. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, the show on YouTube channel and as a podcast where I interview guests and where I share my expertise and the skills and insights and experiences of my guests who have all been out there and have either overcome tremendous hurdles and obstacles in their life or indeed are helping others uh, such as yourself to live a life so beautiful that yesterday becomes jealous of today. So it, it's a fantastic life out there once you stop drinking. And certainly for me, every day gets better and better. I love it. And today, my guest is Remy Haas. Remy is a change artist. And uh, I'm so excited to have her on my show. And uh, I put the floor to her. Remy, welcome to... Uh, my show. I wonder if I can ask you to to enlighten me a bit. A change artist. This sounds cool. But, oh, so, yeah, exactly. So welcome, welcome. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, thank you. I um, help people change their beliefs, their habits, um, whatever they want to empower themselves with we all have gifts and once you sober up maybe you don't know at the beginning what the gifts are it seems like you don't have any but believe me the gift of stopping is the number one thing to celebrate so and then you know as time turns into months and years then you realize where am I gonna go with this new freedom? So then you realize that you might have a habit or a belief system that you no longer really tune in with or no one else does, especially yourself. And then you can come see me and I have natural tools to help you, you know, change your, change your belief, your habit. That's what I do. And that's a beautiful way of putting it, this empowerment, isn't it? Uh, you have your own journey, so it's not something you read in a book and somehow no. <laughs> put together. <laughs> Are you yeah. happy to share a little bit uh, your story when Paul sure. and you had a bit more of a love affair? <laughs> yes. Uh, personally, I um, didn't really start drinking till later in life, in my 20s. Uh, I just didn't know what to do with myself, and I uh, I started drinking because it was fun. It was so much fun, and I could relax, and I could laugh, and have, be the life of the party, uh, but I really felt mm, uh, that was an escape because I was an immigrant. I didn't know a lot of things. And it made me feel uncomfortable and unwanted and all those uh, feelings of despair. And alcohol definitely um, numbed me until it became uh, a sickness. And then it was no longer any fun. And um, I realized that it was never, ever going to get any better, ever. I mean, 
I think number one, you once you realize that when you're totally honest with yourself and say, you know, <laughs> I, you know, you lie to yourself all the time, you know. Uh, okay, I'm only gonna have a beer and one shot tonight. I'm only gonna, you know, all that. And then uh, once you become honest, <laughs> you then have to reprogram yourself, basically. And it is minute by minute. And uh, it's been 21 years, so a lot of minutes have passed. <laughs> and um, that's my story, and mm. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> You are from the former Yugoslavia, and in all fairness, I mean you have got some beautiful slivovits and and other yeah. very yummy things there that uh, that actually can lubricate your tongue quite well and can uh, certainly make you the life of the party. There is no doubt about that. And when did you come uh, to the U.S.? How old were you when you came there? I was only two. Oh, excellent. Okay. But you still felt like an immigrant. Interesting. Oh, well, I didn't learn English until I was seven or eight. Uh, I had gone to school and it was, the first day of school was very, very traumatic because as you well know, children laugh at you. And I was standing in front of the class, same oh, no. name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. and, and my parents weren't nurturing. And so they just basically, um, uh, said you know you know just go back mm. go back and and um yeah so that was hard mm. so oh yeah, i always felt different yeah mm. and and that is so scary especially when you're younger when you haven't formed your your own backbone when you have not developed the skills to deal with that. It is well, same with me. Same with me. It is as I am. Whilst I, I lived in in my home country Germany for well the first uh, quarter of a century, I then emigrated to the UK. And even then, uh, when you would think, well, I was a bit more mature, it was quite a slap in the face. Here I was being at school and had top grades in English and I thought I know English quite well and then you went out with people on in on sort of the first month in in England and they might have as well spoken Chinese I did not understand half of what they were saying because they were talking slang there was an accent there it was wow I felt so inferior I felt so small and that was just me in my own head doing all the negative thinking, but it was what it was. And that was, that was when I was 25, leave alone at your age. No doubt that leaves a mental scar and is quite big. Yes. Did you, when you yeah. went then through school, when you went into high school, um, how did things change there? I mean, in theory, your accent would have been actually quite attractive you would have right. probably been quite quite special and and maybe did people seek you out because of your your exotic background right high school was uh, high school was difficult it was good and then i don't know something something i can't remember the exact trigger but something turned in me inside and felt it from this beautiful girl 
and then I just started lying and uh, making up lies and alienated all the, I, I didn't know what to do with all that success because I was becoming popular and, and my parents were so strict and they would not let me go out. Oh you know? no. <laughs> yeah. So well, you know. and, yeah. Uh. Yeah. All, all the customs, you know, my mother, they refused to be, be, be American. Oh, no. So I would, yes, I'd come home and say, why did we move here? <laughs> you know, what are you do? What are we doing? And of course, my father took that as I was talking back to him. Uh, and I was just curious. So it was very difficult. So yeah. And then, you know, not knowing English until seven or eight. And then the customs. Uh, it was a hard time. Mm. And um, yeah. So when so, did the alcohol come in? When not until, not until I moved away from home. I did that immediately. Mm. And um, a bit of a gypsy, just traveled. And um, I really started drinking after my, di my divorce. Mm. Then I really didn't know what to do <laughs> with my feelings. <laughs> I, I just didn't know how I fit in anymore. Just, and like I said, I was um, waiting tables. And to me, it was fun. Mm. And I would get... Um, I would drink afterwards. It was fun then in the beginning. First you take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes you. Very that's true. that's Very the, true. the saying, isn't it? Yeah, it was controlling my life. Mm. And I was getting very, very uh, fearful. Mm. And, yeah. and I, what were you doing at that time? What was your profession? What was your, how did money come in? Oh, I ran restaurants. So that just helped it even more. Uh, <laughs> that would do it, isn't it? It's a very wet profession. <laughs> and I was quite good at it. And uh, I would wait tables or bartend. I would, you know, you fit all roles when you are involved in a restaurant, right? And it was so easy because people would say, Oh my God, you're off work. Can we buy you a drink? Oh, of course you can. I had lots of stories, lots of fun. But, uh, <laughs> but then one day, yeah, one like, day that something really rattled your cage? Or was it a slow process that made it? It was a very slow process. And, uh, you know, not knowing how to do it and not really wanting to share, uh, don't know really where to go. <laughs> it's very, uh, it was awakening of uh, the beginning, but I did know there was some deep sense, you know, I call it God sense, that uh, I realized that this, I'm not going to uh, live a, a, a decent life at all, you know. I, and I feared because of my blackouts that um, I could kill someone and not even know it. That that was frightening because I would just lose lose time, and then I wouldn't know how I got home. And you called yourself a, a happy drunk, yet yeah. there is this fear 
that you would take someone's life. That doesn't really work so well together. Uh, was right. there? No, you're right. Toward the end, I wasn't a happy drunk. I became shameful. It became uh, very, very shameful. I'd like, a, like a real disease. It was like, oh, what am I? Oh, my God. And people would call and tell me what I said. Oh, please, please, please don't tell me. Ah. <laughs> oh, but, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you were lucky because that was the time before the internet, before cameras on every phone. Uh, so can you imagine the same now? Uh, no. You would be out there on social media. Look what she did. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Oh, uh, it's just... Good point. Yeah. Mm. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Same with me. Same with me. I had certainly some interesting stories in my past, but many of the after more, I don't know, <laughs> how shall you call that, of those things that I rather would like to forget, uh, happened uh, either in very different parts of the world or where there were not so many witnesses around, and I'm pleased about that. I, I would hate to be a young man today, given everything that I went through, now transported into right now 2020. I, wow, I'm not so sure that things would be ending up so well uh, with hindsight as they did with me. Yeah. So for me, I ended up in rehab seven years ago and there I had 28 days of someone actually rattling my cage of, of working with me and leading me to do the steps towards salvation. And whilst I use religious words here, I, I am not religious. So I, I do not believe in God. Yet the system that I was introduced to, the 12 steps, worked actually exceptionally well for me because it was a, a, a system that allowed me to stepwise approach my problems and deal with them recognize them for what they were, obstacles, hindrances, that, that kept me from living a life that I actually deep inside wanted to live. So I was so lucky being introduced to that system and it was a huge shock to me, please. It was, it was I was full of shame, full of guilt, full of anger, resentment, my goodness, uh, I could talk hours and hours and hours about it. Um, I had that crash course. You didn't. So how did you accumulate the skills? How did you get the insights? How did you go about that? Well, you know, I'd be... I, I... <laughs> I laugh. Uh, at first, I wanted to find the cure for alcoholism. Uh, I was fascinated. <laughs> Good on you, girl. Good on you. Go out there. You find it. Yeah, if you yeah, find it, you make girl. millions. <laughs> right, right. So I started to do the research on the brain. Uh, and I read, I read, I love to read. So I read Everyone's Journey that wrote a book about it. Yeah, 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 that's me, that's me. 
but I still didn't understand how the brain would work. How is it that I could sit in a lounge, a cocktail, holding a cocktail and be uh, present and then hours later not remember how I got home? That just really piqued my interest. What happens to the brain? Where do you go? So I never found the answer. I did find that it's um, um, a disease of, and the chromosomes aren't right. Too many X's, none of the O's. That's all I found. But I was reading the book again, and they were talking about the spiritual path and um, going within, and I just couldn't believe it. But I looked at the address of where this church was, and it was right here in my hometown as well as the world. And if you're familiar with unity consciousness, uh, they are all over the world. Yeah, it's, um, oh, they don't, they're not religious. They are spiritual. Mm -hmm. They are, um, they believe in the Christ consciousness, which is within all of us. And it didn't matter if you were pink, blue, gay, black, white, purple, it does, and when you went to church there, they would say, welcome and mean it, and they would hug. Now, I grew up not, my parents were not huggers, and so at first it was like, oh my, and um, they never questioned why I was, why, where was I between um, visiting church, where I grew up in the Orthodox religion with my parents, of course, and they just all the, you know, where have you been? Why didn't you come last Sunday? You know, so I didn't like that either. So that's what started it. And I did go to um, an AA meeting, but it wasn't for me. For me, it was sitting around and just telling stories of how you got drunk. And I thought I could write a book and you could read it. I don't have to sit here and read we do it <laughs> that's a so, very interesting that's very interesting what you're saying there um i might come back to you to that okay. about the aa meeting because incredibly yeah. that was actually my ex uh, my experience uh in many meetings but that's that's probably something uh, let me address that quickly now actually before because otherwise we're going to talk about other beautiful right. things and then we're going to get sidetracked and I never come back um, AA meetings can be a beautiful means of you connecting with others. And it's great for step one, where you actually realize there is, you can't continue the way you are doing it. And to then go out and actually saying it for the first time out loud, hi, I'm Stefan, I'm an alcoholic, and this is my story. This can be incredibly powerful. The problem is that in many meetings, there are people who never go any further. They are stuck there on the steps one, two, and three. They admit they are powerless, and therefore they come to the meeting, and then they continue to admit that they are powerless. They don't do the steps four, five, six, seven, etc. They don't go out there, find the mentor through AA, find the sponsor, and actually do the hard yards, do the work, figure out why the hell are you drinking? You've got PTSD, cool, let's address that. Let's deal with the anxiety. 
Let's give you tools how to deal with the anxiety itself. Let's enrich your life spiritually, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, all those kind of things. That's the hard work. That's the steps, really. And I understand where you were coming from uh, when you were saying, well, the AA or the 12 steps are not for me. Because uh, I've seen many meetings where there are only people there that are white knuckling it for the last 22 years. They're still at the same stage. So um, I, I agree with you. If yeah. it, it is, can be actually a soul destroying environment uh, and, and some meetings, some other yeah. meetings are just gold, but it is a bit of a, hmm. And if you're not religious yourself and you end up in a, uh, and your first meeting is in a AA group that is very religious, uh, that can be daunting. That then can feel like a cult. And it's really not supposed to be. And you look back at the original Bill Wilson and, and, and the, the, the crew there, there's some beautiful uh, comments. And, and I've, I've written a book, My Steps to Sobriety. And in there, I actually discussed that. And there is one beautiful comment from 1946 or so. And he said, I actually don't care if they're a gay, brown, whatever, it doesn't matter who these people are. They can be the nastiest pieces of shit as long as they actually come into a group. And that group doesn't need to be a meeting, can be two, three drunks that get their act together and say, come on, let's do it. Um, and uh, that is absolutely fine. So his own attitude was far more pragmatic than maybe at the religious groups out there that use and offer the 12 steps, but put the, the religious, their religious meaning onto the 12 steps as they are making it out to be. Don't get me wrong, if you're religious and it works for you, I'm really, really, really pleased. If oh, you're Islam or if you're a Hindu or a yeah. Sikh or whatever, it doesn't matter. It does not matter your sexual uh, orientation. It doesn't matter your skin color. N none of that matters. Right. It's all about creating a new life. That's what the 12 steps are. Very true, very true. Mm -hmm. I've shopped around, you know, because um, I, I realized some, you know, some uh, groups I went to, they were so tight knit that it was almost like high school. If you didn't fit in the <laughs> clique, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so I didn't have time for that either. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, and I don't think I was ready for all that structure. I, I wanted to find it on my own, and it eventually led me to um, uh, it, it eventually led me to an ashram here in the states, and I I studied yoga. And yoga changed my life because it was the first time that I had a clue to feel my body because mm. I was out of my body all the time. Uh, it allowed me to feel my feelings and cry instead of drink. You know, just it became very honest. It became very, very clear and honest that you know, you can quit drinking, but um, you still have work to do. You have quite a bit of work to do. It's an ongoing process. 21 years later, I'm still working on myself. I joke and tell my classes all the years I've been into spirituality and 
self-development, which now I don't uh, do so much self-development because I've realized there's nothing wrong with us. We are just beautiful as we are. We just inherited some bad habits and you can let them go now. They're not serving you. But I tell my students all the time, all oh, this work, I should walk on water. <laughs> <laughs> and so humble. <laughs> yeah, and um, here I am. I'm, I still, you know, uh, make mistakes. But one thing for sure is I am so grateful that I don't think about it. It's, it's easy breezy about drinking. I went to a party last night. And uh, this one yoga teacher was leaving and she was really close in my face. And she had been drinking a lot of wine. I mean, I could smell it. And I backed off and I was so grateful that I, I didn't, didn't, nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't a trigger. It, no, it was actually gratitude that I do not drink by choice. I don't have to uh, think about it. Yeah. It's so natural now to be um, drink free. And how beautiful is that, isn't it? Yeah. It is. No, no, you're quite right. You're quite right. But it is, uh, it is hard because there are damn good reasons that you drink. And I'm so grateful that you shared some of those reasons in your life because you can, you can see why people do rely on alcohol as a friend that then becomes a false friend. It has advantages uh, when you start off with. And I think that is, that is what we need to recognize. You use alcohol for a reason, and then you can't just stop drinking and not develop yourself or develop different coping mechanisms because the need for which you use the alcohol is still there. So you need to be out there. You need to actually explore your spirit, your mind, your emotions. I think that's what I love to hear out of in your words. It's the emotions, it's the feelings that drive us to either seek chemical enhancement or uh, to seek us or to make us go out there and seek other ways. In your case, uh, you found the yoga. And it's interesting because there was the other yoga teacher who was very happy yeah. drinking. And yeah. here you go. So only because you have found yoga does not necessarily mean to say that you are actually now in the right path. So for you, you had your path where yoga and the, the spiritual side of that helped you tremendously. This yeah. yoga teacher will have her own story why she is rather drinking too much. And the reason I say that is when I was in rehab, um, I had a beautiful rehab in the former Capri Hospital. Um, and there were yoga classes, there were all kinds of things that one could do there. Now, every single person that taught me or that I met there was a recovering alcoholic. So there was the yoga teacher, there was the, the physical exercise, etc. And indeed, when I looked around amongst the people who were with me in rehab, there was the top 
uh, uh, fitness model there who ran her own fitness studio. And, you know, there is, you, everyone has got their story. Everyone has got their emotions, their needs that are not met. And that's where the alcohol comes in. So I think alcohol is, is the great equalizer. It, it takes everyone. And it doesn't take care. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't mind if you are, I don't know, boy, girl, not identified. It doesn't matter. It just takes everyone, uh, from from poor to very rich, and anything in between, isn't it? Man. So if if people are attracted by your story, how can they get hold of you? Oh, probably the best way is uh, email Ramey, my name, us at yahoo.com. Beautiful. And I'm going to put your, your contact details and a bit more information about you down into uh, the description here of this uh, video and of the podcast. So people can very much link up with you and work with you. Oh. And every every viewer out there and every listener out there will hopefully get something out of your story because your story resonates so much with me. I recognize myself in you quite a bit. Uh, and it's, it's astounding how, how certain parts of our journeys are virtually identical. And I get the same revelation with every guest I interview there are, there is that element of being lost and struggling with your feelings and emotions and, and don't know what to do. There is often the fact that we are intrinsically shy or intrinsically uncertain of ourselves, and then use the alcohol to, to, to create the new us, the new external persona, the new mask that that is what you need at that time. But now it is it's such a powerful and beautiful journey to explore what is underneath that mask. And it's something that we are hiding so much. And then there are people like you who are bringing out that journey and bringing out these stories and this must be a very rewarding thing for you as, as a person who has been out there. Do you sometimes, do you sometimes get a bit of a wet eye um, when you see the, the beautiful paths that you, the people that you meet and that you mentor go on? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It gives me such joy. I don't think people realize what joy it lights me up um, because it matters. It really does matter. Uh, yeah. And personally, uh, my children were addicted. And so I had to uh, ration that out. It's my fault. I wasn't a good role model. Oh my God, it was, um, but, in, but today they're as clean as ever. And um, so I'm very, very grateful 
Yeah, because that's very hard to see your children be addicted. And you alluded to it. I mean, there is a genetic component of yes. 50% of, of, uh, of alcoholic, alcoholism is attributed to it. Or let's put it, put it other way around. Probably one in 10, one in five people have got a very strong uh, alcoholic link in their genes. And I've talked with another guest, uh, Stuart Watson, about that because he was exploring his his history of uh, being adopted, uh, but being a, a an alcoholic. He actually found his original family, and it turns out that everyone in his family, including his sisters, were all raging alcoholics. So there he explored that story, and it is so true. So you are, you and I, we both are super responders to dopamine. We are super men and super women because we get really high if we have one drink. And that's beautiful. And you chase that high forever. And unfortunately, your kids will have the likely to have the same genes. And oh. it's just a matter of figuring out what will be their addiction and give them the skills and the insight by you living in sobriety and making it known and sharing your things that, uh, that they see, yes, okay, I'm likely to have a tendency to become addicted, but I now see what mommy and daddy have actually done with their problems and deal with that. So, no, well done, well done. Because hopefully they could see from your journey where you have been and the lessons you have learned. Have you been always open with your children about, about your journey? Yes. It was obvious. I didn't hide it. Mm. They all had their own drugs. They mostly did drugs and, and alcohol. But, mm. you know, they, oh, it was, it was, it was awful to see. So, um, but like I say, they're, they're um, not using like they used to, and that's good to know and get to see. So, yeah. Rami, I'm, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased for you and your children. And that is, I, I guess, a complete different interview that maybe we can do in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as people, as parents and uh, as the, the people who see someone they love falling prey to addiction. And that is soul destroying, heart destroying. And many of you yeah. listeners and viewers out there will, will attest to that. But Rami, I'm so, so pleased that we had this lovely chat. I'm so pleased that I've met you, that I, have had the, the pleasure of listening to your story, uh, a story that just shows that sometimes you don't have to have the massive crash that is out there for everyone to see. 
and you don't have to have that quick intervention that nowadays everyone wants. I want to be fixed right now and I want to have a new life. Yeah, thank you very much. For some people that doesn't work. For some people that doesn't happen in their life for reasons whatsoever. But here you are as an example of a woman who has decided to take her life into her own hands. You one day said enough is enough and you changed your direction and you learned what to do and you learned the skills and it's beautiful. And even more beautiful is now that you teach others uh, to, to go onto that path. And for that, I applaud you and I commend you. Well, thank you. So thank you so much for coming on today. I hope you have got a fantastic rest of the weekend. And uh, I am looking forward to working with you and staying in touch with you. Okay. Thank you so much. Cool. It was a pleasure, Remy. Bye. Look Bye. after yourselves, everyone out there. And stay sober. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, Remy, that was beautiful. That was yeah. beautiful. You, it, you are such a lovely, lovely woman to talk to. I'm Thank really pleased. That was a lovely interview. I enjoyed that a lot. Thank you. You're very humbling. <laughs> well, all right. We'll cool. keep Let's, in touch. Let's stay in touch with, with Message. Um, do you, I don't think I've asked you yet, have you got a, uh, a portrait picture of you that you could send me? Um, a, a picture, ideally as a, as a transparent PNG, but if that doesn't mean a thing, then just if you were to send me a, a portrait picture, something that I can put onto an advertisement for you, um, okay. so that it, uh, both of us are on a on a picture together, and uh, then I can put it there. Okay, I will. I'll I'll, uh, I'll look it up. Uh, yes, that's I'll, I'll find one. Oh, that's wonderful, Remy. You look after yourself. Lovely to meet Bye. you. Yep. Bye.